Hello beautiful souls and welcome back to another episode here on The High, The Holistic You, Being With Intention. I'm your host Charles Chevelle and I am extremely excited for today's episode topic because it is relevant to exactly what we are witnessing as a collective people, as a collective society that is becoming more and more globalized, more and more integrated. People are looking more and more like each other, whether that be literally or figuratively, right? In a sense that we are becoming more so in contact with people that in the past that maybe we didn't even know, you know, these countries existed or these Uh, people that speak these languages exist so as the USA and many other countries around the world become more and more globalized and diverse we see that there is a growing necessity for creating community for having healthier conversations and developing cross-cultural relations with other nations as well and with other people that may not necessarily look like us or people that share the same values or same belief systems as the next person and as for myself and identifying as a multi-ethnic individual I personally see the importance of bringing together diverse groups of people and sparking up conversations where we are able to better understand each other and our world views and our world of experiences really building bridges that cross over to other cultures outside of our own bubble And if you've traveled or lived in a bigger city yourself, then you may know too or have noticed just how diverse your own surroundings are becoming compared to how they may have looked in the past. So as a people, how can we learn to better understand our neighbor or anyone of another ethnic or cultural background? And to help better answer and explore this topic for today, of being multi-ethnic and understanding different cultures, I actually reached out to a good friend of mine, Kyle Chang, who is someone who also comes from a multi-cultural background and who has similar experiences as I. So without further ado, I will have my friend Kyle come on and join us and we can dive right into the episode topic that we have here for you all today on The High. Hello, beautiful souls. So I have with us here today my good friend Kyle. Kyle, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you, thank you. So we could just start off uh, by just maybe introducing yourself to our listeners for today. Hi, my name is Kyle Chang, and thank you for having me on the show. So I'll give a little bit of background about myself. Uh, I'm a DJ and a producer. Before this, I was working in marketing. And before all that, uh, I grew up here in Seattle. Um, so, uh, part of the background that I should mention that's important to today's, or today's episode is, uh, that I am Asian American. So my parents are Taiwanese. Uh, so I sort of experienced multiple cultures growing up here in America. And then after I, I graduated from college, I went to China to work, uh, for five years. So... I sort of have this uh, another perspective on on multiculturalism because I was also in the minority there being an American in China. Uh, So both of these experiences, um, being an American in China and being Asian in America, sort of inform my perspective on multiculturalism. Okay, so you mentioned that you come from a Taiwanese and a U.S. American background. So 
how was that growing up? Did you grow up or live with your family and your parents in the U.S. with both of these cultures? Or was it more so living in Asia when you were younger? Or how did you navigate both of those when you were younger? Yeah, actually, I, I learned uh, when I, I was growing up and I didn't really fit into the Asian household, but I didn't fit into the white uh, mainstream culture either. And going to China sort of gave me a different perspective on that because to Chinese people, they didn't really treat me as a white person either. They treated me as this sort of like in-between thing, like, okay, you're American, but you're not white, so are you really American? Was like a lot mm. of the, the sort of outlook that people had on Asian American people, or like me specifically, since I can only speak to my experience. Uh, but that seems to be my observation. To me, uh, I was always torn, like I said, between uh, white mainstream culture and sort of like this culture that my parents gave to me as an Asian family. And now I'm realizing after all of these experiences, like going through, you know, like a painful childhood torn between two cultures and then afterward moving to China, uh, which is that I don't necessarily need to fully subscribe to mm. either one fully because uh, I, I am American, but I'm also Asian and I can sort of uh, choose which parts that I am going to adopt and which parts I'm going to support because in the end that's I am a bit of a mishmash uh, mm. of cultures so I can sort of yeah I mean it seems sort of like a selfish way to, to look at it you know the way that like bisexuals get to sleep with everyone <laughs> in that way but um I I like that uh I get to navigate these two cultures mm -hmm. and and say okay yeah I am American so I I can love hamburgers and hot dogs and stuff but also I'm Chinese so I get to you know eat <laughs> eat noodles and stuff um because everybody's got a story and you know people will surprise you from time to time especially when you become of age and you recognize that you know you're not what other people say you are, but you are what you call yourself and how you live that out, right? Because even for myself and for those listeners who may not know, I myself actually grew up in Detroit, Michigan. And in my in my area where I did grow up, it was majority African-American. However, I come from a multi-ethnic background too. So I have a Canadian roots, Irish roots, Native American roots as well. So I actually grew up with uh, feeling like I was a little bit in between uh, different cultures from a young age and really in some of these circles especially around you know african-american circles or any other circle outside of that for myself when i was growing up the the internal conflict and also uh, what, what other people from the external world what they would tell me is maybe you know i was maybe too white to fit in with the black folk and then maybe too black to fit in with everybody else and this was something i grew up you know hearing not all the time but sometimes and as a you know as a kid you know that it, that it affects you it has an impression on you right right exactly and i i like what you said about uh sort of you know getting a little bits and pieces from different cultures because i think in the end you know uh we these this whole cultural structure thing is of course just something that is uh made up in our mind right so everybody is just an individual mm. and we say this person is american but everybody's got their own little quirks you know, people in China have their own little quirks. Not everybody in China likes dumplings or whatever. Right, right. Um, and not everybody in America likes hot dogs. So, of course, I'm simp simplifying 
you know, culture with, with food, but uh, it, it's, it's sort of uh, just to make a point that people are who they are and it, it draws from different influences, but in the end, they are just individuals. Absolutely. I'm curious to hear, Kyle, what has Taiwan or China taught you about life and multiculturalism or diversity uh, that maybe you didn't have the opportunity to learn in the USA? Uh, yeah, so uh, there, there are a few things that I found interesting in China and Taiwan. Obviously, there's the, the regular, not the regular, um, the culture shock. You know, you go there, there's different foods, there's different customs. Uh, people greet each other differently. The language is totally different. Uh, so that, that's sort of like the, the obvious stuff that um, people bring up. But I think uh, what's interesting also is uh, when you go to China, you realize that, or actually if you go anywhere besides the U.S., you realize that despite the U.S. having a very great diversity of people, in many ways it's not as uh, global or multicultural as uh, other countries. Because if you go to China or you know Europe, or, for example, they all have a little bit uh, of a broader mindset in terms of uh, their place in the world and their country in respect to the rest of the world. Uh, and what I mean by that is if you ask the, the average American person about Chinese culture, they probably know nothing about it. Uh, whereas if you ask the, the regular or the average Chinese person about American culture, they could probably tell you, you know, about Taylor Swift, uh, and you know, like, oh, I listened to that awesome album by Ariana Grande or like they've definitely seen lots of Hollywood movies uh, and part of that just has to do with how dominant American culture has been globally so because America is sort of in this privileged position of mm. being like the you know the culture leader or culturally dominant throughout the world I feel that many people in China or in Europe or in, you know, Africa, everywhere, mm. have to reckon with America and reckon with different countries and understand that, okay, we're not the only people in the world. Right. Whereas in America, you're sort of here and there's, you know, people have no concept of what's going on on the other side of the, the ocean and they really have no, I mean, I'm, this is sort of an overgeneralization, but... I would say most people in America don't have the desire to live abroad, mm. whereas in China, you know, like, I would say most of them want to live abroad for a little mm -hmm. bit. Yeah, I think anybody who had enough money was trying to study abroad mm -hmm. for a few years or to move abroad mm -hmm. to either, you know, like Australia or America or mm -hmm. Canada or something. Mm -hmm. So everybody was trying to get out and get different experiences. Mm -hmm. uh, so I found that to be very different in China. Yeah, I think that that's an interesting point that you that you make there. It, it, especially when I think about many people that I've come across in the USA, you know, from many different states, and how many of us don't know the world outside of our own state. And I get that, you know, that it is a, a privilege and blessing to be able to travel. And so I understand that a part of it is is that factor. However, also just being curious about it and doing you know one's own research or getting to know people in your own city too that may not look like you or that may have come from a different culture or ethnic background is also still a way to get to know people even in your own country or even in your right even in your own state or city wherever it may be is that 
you could find, you could have an opportunity to get to know somebody different like that. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I, I think that is the... That is the beautiful thing about America is that they they have uh, all these different ethnic backgrounds and they're there for you to access if you just dig a little bit deeper. So that's sort of like uh, about what we were talking about earlier, right? Which is that, you know, you go to school and there are some Asian kids, there's some Latino kids, there's some black kids and stuff. But in the classroom, on the playground, for the most part, uh, you know, it, it's like a dominantly, predominantly white background. Mm. But if you dig a little bit deeper, you know, you go to your Asian friend's house and, you know, have some food with their family, then you're really, you're starting to like get some cultural immersion yeah. uh, that you wouldn't, you wouldn't have in a more public space. Uh, so you really have to dig a little bit deeper in America, but it is there. Right. Absolutely. Now, being back in the USA, what would you say are some of those things that the U.S. has taught you about diversity? And that's unique about that, that you weren't necessarily able to learn when you were in China. Right. So I think coming back from China, uh, growing up in America and then going to China and then coming back has been a really great experience for me personally, because I feel that uh uh, I see the same things in a very different light now, uh, returning back to America. So in China, I was constantly sort of the outsider, right? And it was the same in America. But uh, in China, I didn't speak the language too. So I needed a lot of help from other people to, for instance, like get an apartment. People would always have to help me read the documents because there's a lot of like, a lot of, you know... <laughs> tough tough lingo in, in those documents that you don't understand and uh without fail there was always some chinese person who would be like oh you know i can help you read that or like i can help you translate that or i can help you talk with the landlord god bless these people <laughs> yeah and i'm like oh this is great um they can see that i'm struggling and uh they're just helping me out mm. so i think what that taught me upon returning to america is that there's actually a lot of these struggling people in America too, uh, America being such a, a big melting pot, right? There's tons of people that don't speak English. So what I'm realizing now upon uh, returning to America is I need to be more empathetic and more helpful to these people. I mean, you know, maybe I'm not helping them rent an apartment or something, but at the very least, uh, I can be more patient with them mm. when they are you know, when I'm interacting with them at a restaurant or something. So when I was a kid, I used to be very impatient with people when they couldn't speak English well. And now I, I'm, you know, maybe they're, they're an immigrant and they're working at McDonald's or something, for example. And I used to be a total, uh, total jerk to them and just treat them very rudely. Uh, but now I have a little bit more empathy or I'm, I'm you know, it's a process, right? Mm. I'm getting more empathy for these people and uh, I understand their situation, they're struggling and I just try to be a little bit more patient with them. I think that's a good point. You just said it right there, being patient, but also being empathetic, being empathetic with others. Uh, and also it's interesting because that same, it's that same type of empathy that I've also been able to recognize the importance of, even whether it be living anywhere in the world, is being patient with someone else and also understanding 
that everyone may not have that same language ability like you do. Like for example, when I was living in China, and there were certain documents that I came across, or whether it was paying rent or whatever it may be, is that sometimes it's nice to have someone to be able to to show a little bit of patience and a little bit of of, of empathy towards you. And I think that if we have more of that, then I feel like that will help people from different backgrounds and cultural identities and whatever it may be really get to uh, respect each other a little bit more and to appreciate one another a little bit more. Because coming back to the U.S., I could say that I understand, like you were just saying, a lot of the immigrant communities, or even if they're U.S. citizens too, and they just don't necessarily have that level of proficiency in English, uh, that that there are people that they're surrounded by or people that they encounter that are going to show them patience and empathy as well. Right, right. I think that's very important that we promote empathy throughout our lives and throughout the world, definitely. Absolutely. Uh, I am curious. So now, Kyle, that you are back in the U.S., and you know we're both back in the U.S., I'm curious to hear a little bit about what are some of those things that you miss and appreciate about uh, the USA when you are away in China or when you're living abroad outside of the USA? What are things that you appreciate about the USA and then vice versa? Well, definitely uh, I miss the public transportation. That's a big one uh, because in China they have great public transportation in the cities. And uh, in America, everybody is obsessed with their cars, right? Everybody's driving everywhere and I can appreciate that. And then I love driving when there's no traffic and you know, you're chilling at night. But for the most part, now I find it to be a little bit of a hassle because um, because you, you gotta focus so much, like, and everything is so spread out. So, you know, you think you're gonna go to work and you're just gonna spend five hours though, there, but no, you're actually spending <laughs> is seven to eight hours total because you gotta drive there and then you gotta drive oh. back. You gotta find parking and sometimes that takes a while, uh, especially in the big city. So, you know, I'm starting to, to miss the, the public transportation of Asia for sure. Um, yes, and then vice versa, when I was living in China, I definitely missed the food in America because of course I grew up on, you know, like hamburgers and stuff when I was not eating in my, my household, I would go out to, you know, Dick's or whatever. And so I really missed all of that in China because they have different uh, food sourcing. So when you would get a hamburger, for instance, the, the quality of the meat and the cheese would be really bad. Mm. Uh, either that or you would pay like in some exorbitant amount to get good cheese and good meat. But either way, it was a little bit like inaccessible. So I, I would miss a lot of the food in America. Mm, mm. I guess I could say too, on that same note, that when I'm, well, since we're both back in the U.S. now, things that I miss about China, I would say it is that accessibility of transit. So yes, the the Gautier or the which is the which is actually a super fast train that goes so so fast. So let's just say and all around the country, and it is something that the U.S. necessarily does not have or has not necessarily fully developed uh, just yet. Like we have the Amtrak in the U.S.A., but it's not even on par at all with the Gautier of of, of mainland China. I would say. Right, and I think that is a uh, part of uh, brings us back to that that thing about appreciating different cultures and different societies, right? Because these are very much the the cultural consequences, I would say, 
of uh, the systems that we live in, right? Because China is an authoritarian regime, so when they want to get something done, they just do it. And, you know, they build these, uh, you said Gaotia, which is uh, basically a bullet train. It's a high-speed rail. And uh, to do these, you know, it's a massive in infrastructure project worth billions of dollars. And lots of times they have to uh, dislocate some people who happen to be in the way. <laughs> and sometimes they're like poor villagers or something and they make them move. So in America, of course, that wouldn't happen. And I think that's part of the reason that it's so hard to get stuff built in America is you need, you know, if you want to build a high-speed rail from California to Washington, you might need to move people, you need to get approval from Oregon, California, and Washington. So part of the reason we don't have these things is because, uh, you know, we have to take into consideration so many different mm. people, whereas in China, they just do it. Um, so it, it it is what it is, right? I feel bad for the people that have to move, but also... It's really great to have that public transportation. And uh, on the flip side, many of those people who have been displaced were also given second homes mm. by the government. So it, it's, uh, you know, it is what it is. Right, yeah, yeah. It helps one think about things a little bit more subjectively and understand that there are, all, that there are pros and cons and that there are advantages and disadvantages to a lot of the different policies or decisions that, that are made. Absolutely, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So as we begin to wrap up a little bit, Kyle, I'm curious just to hear a little bit, now that our listeners know that, you know, both of us have experiences, shared in similar experiences with our ethnic backgrounds and identity. I'm curious to hear, what do you think, from your opinion, what do you think would help people, right? So someone of one ethnicity understanding someone of let's say another ethnicity that they never met before what do you think are some things that we could do more so as a society or collectively do a little bit differently to help us better understand each other right right so i'll try to to break down that that question because i think uh it's it's a matter of building empathy with them right so that's that key word that we mentioned before uh building empathy is uh you know how you you learn to live together and you you become you can sort of live in harmony together. So that's sort of the goal uh, of, you know, being in a multicultural place. And uh, so I, I think the, the, the subtext of the question is how do we build empathy for one another, right? Uh, and I think uh, there's, you know, there's sort of different levels of this whole empathy scale, right? So when you, when you meet somebody, you know, you can be, it can be a very superficial interaction or it can be a very deep uh, interaction with like full cultural immersion. For example, when you pass somebody on the street and you say hi to them or you, you see somebody in a uh, restaurant and the, the, the waiter is of a different ethnic background, right? So then you have a little conversation and you treat each other okay, there's no incidences, right? So that's sort of like a level of tolerance that's very, I would say, quite superficial and quite easy um, because all you have to do is just not say anything mean, right? And then you can go a second level deeper and you can become friends with this waiter from a different ethnic background, right? Maybe you guys like share a meal and you learn about each other's families and stuff. And then you can, after that, go the next level and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. walk a mile in their shoes. And, uh, you know, maybe you go to their household and you, 
eat their food and you meet their family or you can go to their home country and things like that and really experience their life, right? So there's different uh, levels of experiencing, uh, experiencing another person's culture and each level is going to build your empathy. Uh, but I think to get to each level or to level up, <laughs> level up in your empathy, right? Yeah, I love that. Um, to level up in your empathy, I think one of the most important things that you can do is to check your ego, right? Because I think one of the reasons there is a lack of empathy in this world is because in general, people just live their lives uh, reacting to things. So, you know, when people cut you off on the road, you get really pissed off and you get some road rage, right? So you're reacting uh, with your ego. And then the same thing is true of experiencing people of a different ethnicity, right? So when you uh, meet somebody that doesn't speak English, like when I was a kid, I would meet, you know, people who were servers and they didn't speak English. And I would, my reaction was to be annoyed because I'm like, okay, why is this interaction taking so long? Why can't they just get me, uh, why can't they just get me my pizza <laughs> or something like that? So uh, I think the idea is you, you have to check your ego and understand that people don't speak your language or people have this cultural quirk. Uh, and you, when you check your ego and you can uh, sort of analyze the situation a little bit uh, more fair-headed, you can be more level-headed about interacting with people and uh, you can learn to accept them at these different levels if you just, you know, take your ego out of the equation. For instance, uh, let's say you, like, on level three or whatever, <laughs> you, go, you go to their household and you, you know, there's a funky smell. Maybe it's like the curry smell or whatever. Um, and yeah, maybe to you it smells a bit different and you're like a bit, uh, taken aback by it. But instead of saying something offensive immediately, maybe you check your ego at the door and, uh, just sort of take it in for what it is. And in the end, uh, if you stick with it, you realize, wow, like Indian food's pretty dope. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's awesome. And, and what's interesting about that too is, I guess a phrase comes to mind whenever you're traveling or wherever you may be is literally give people that same type of empathy first that you seek as well. So even whatever space you're navigating, that empathy that you are expecting from that other person, just give that to them first, right? That patience and empathy, and it'll go a long way. You'll see how that relationship uh, or that, that encounter, you'll see just how differently, you'll see just how differently that feels. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great perspective to put on things. It's like you get from the world what you put out, right? So it, it's uh, sort of one of those life rules, right? Treat people how you want to be treated. And I can't say I was always like that, but definitely going to China has uh, given me a bit more empathy because I was in those situations where I needed help from other people. That's absolutely what life is about, growing and learning. So thank you so much, Kyle. Thank you so much for being here with us here today on The High and sharing some of your thoughts and insights on today's topic. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So that concludes our episode here of The Holistic You. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode here of The High. If you like this episode, if you learned something new from this episode, 
please feel free to like, comment, share, and subscribe to the podcast. And I look forward to speaking with you all in our next episode to come. Peace, love, and much like to you all.